Heavenly Father, today we're rejoicing in who you are, a God that loves us. And so as we open your word, may we have an encounter with you like we haven't before. Challenge us, open our hearts, let us know you better at the end of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Timing is everything. Uh, you've experienced this in many different ways where timing is right or timing is wrong. Last Sabbath, as people were crowding our parking lot in the field, parking for Risen, there was a car accident that happened right out front, and I'm sure the guy behind thought, man, if I was there two seconds earlier, that could have been me, right? Timing is, is very, very important. You either get it right or you get it wrong. Several years ago when my boys were just little guys, it was a Sunday afternoon. They were taking their afternoon night naps, and so it was peaceful in the Smith home, the only time it ever was peaceful. And Jen, my wife, was doing laundry. She'd been doing it all day long, and there was a, a large laundry bin right there in the living room, and she was working on her computer, and so she said, hey, Matt, would you mind uh, switching the load of laundry for me? I said, sure, no problem. So I took the basket of laundry, I took it to the laundry room, and I opened the washer, and I pulled the wet clothes out, and I put them in the dryer, and then very, very carefully, I went through that laundry and put it into the washing machine, making sure that nothing needed special treatment, making sure I wasn't missing anything. And I started the load of laundry. About an hour later, Jen goes into the, the laundry room and she opens the washing machine to find the remnants of a book. It's not just any book. It was a children's book. But not just any children's book. It was one of our favorite children's books. But not just any one of our favorite children's books. It was one of our favorite children's books from a set that was discontinued. You sense the hot water that I was in already. But because timing is everything, we had a, a little discussion, we'll call it a discussion, about whose fault it was. I mean, obviously it was my fault. But I think about timing, you know. I, I put the load of laundry into the washing machine, but what if that basket hadn't been placed right there at that moment? In the, in the living room? Or what if my boys hadn't been reading books near the laundry bin? What if we'd kept the books in their bedroom? Timing is everything. It makes all the difference. Not too long ago, in the last couple of years, in Alpharetta, Georgia, just on the outskirts of Atlanta, there was a family, two young boys, they're playing in their swimming pool on a hot Atlanta day, and their mom is there in a chair nearby. One of the boys, he, he hears something, and so he kind of climbs out of the pool and he says, Mom, that tree is making a weird sound. So I brought the video to you because timing is everything. Would you like to see it? Okay, here's the video. There they are. I had to take the uh, sound out because of some choice language. There's the boy. He says, Mom, there's, the tree's making a weird noise. Thank you. Somebody said, wow. First service was way more excited about this. I mean, can you imagine that? The timing is everything. A split second wrong and you die. A split second early and, you know, I mean, it, timing is everything. And today, as we open our Bibles, we see the timing of God as he, his timing is so perfect for our lives. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn me to Acts chapter 17. If you didn't bring a Bible today, there's a blue book in front of you. It's the Pew Bible, and you can follow along on page 785, and you'll read the same words that I'm reading. I discovered this passage many years ago as I was doing Bible studies with a young guy, and, and he, we were using a TruthLink Bible study set. It's, it's written by light bearers out in Oregon, and it, it's so intelligent that you have to read with a dictionary because they're so smart. 
And as we were reading through this Bible study, I came across this verse that I did never remember before. And it was so powerful to me because I believed this, but I'd never really seen it. And this morning, as we go through this, I believe the timing is perfect for some people here in this room to hear a message from God to your heart as he talks about the perfect timing of what he's done, done and is doing in your life. So let me give you some context and then we'll keep going. Here's the context. So Paul and Silas and Timothy, they are traveling from city to city to city and they're preaching the gospel message that Jesus is alive. And as they're preaching, as they're going from city to city, the Jews don't like what they're preaching and so they've caused riots. In fact, they get locked up in jail. So they post their bail bond and then they get out of jail. They go to the next city. Well, it happens again. And finally, Paul says, I'm done with this. I'm not going to jail again. So he, he goes ahead in the journey to Athens while he waits on the other two. And while he's in Athens, he's checking out the city, checking out the sites. He's walking down the, the lanes. He's looking for a Taco Bell to try and find a bite to eat. And as he's looking along, he sees all these different idols all along the way. Each one of them has a name underneath them. And he gets to one that he's never seen before, and it's titled the Unknown God. And as Paul sees this, he thinks, I know the Unknown God. Well, some of the Jewish leaders and some of the, the uh, God-fearing Greeks, they invite Paul to come to the meeting of the Areopagus. Here's a picture of where they would meet. This is uh, right there in Athens. You've got, the, you've got Mars Hill, the Areopagus, right there, that, that rocky outcropping underneath. And you've got up above, you've got the Parthenon sitting up there on the Acropolis. Um, a beautiful area, and they would meet there, just the smart guys. And so in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 22, we read our story. Here's what it says in my Bible. It says this, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm about to proclaim to you. Paul's about to drop the hammer on them. He's about to tell them what they don't know. He's about to educate the educated about the unknown God, and he begins to build a case about how the God of the universe is much higher than any of their gods. Verse 24, here's what it says. He says, The God who made the world... And everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You can see Paul as he's standing up there as he's referring to all the other gods. Oh, you've got idols here. You have temples up here. But the God of heaven, the unknown God, he doesn't need you to build a home for him because he's everywhere, because he's supreme, he's the God of the universe. He created it all anyway. In fact, every breath you take is because he gives it to you. It's interesting that Paul, as he's describing these other gods, he uses a pronoun, he just uses a neuter program, pro pronoun, it. He says, you've got these it gods, there they are, all of these. But when he gets to the unknown God, he calls it a he, because he's a being, a person that can have a relationship with. In fact, as he describes the unknown God, he says that he is Lord. That's above all. That's bigger and better than all the others. He's the supreme God of the universe. And then we get to the part that blows my mind, and I hope it grabs your attention and helps you understand God differently. Here's what it is. Verse 26, 
Paul says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He says, we all came from Adam. He created Adam, and that's the human race. Then he says this, And he, God, marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. One translation puts it like this on the screen. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Let's pause for a minute because this, this is just incredible. It means that God designed for you to be alive, to be born when you were born, to live your entire life starting from that very time that you were created. He picked you to be alive at this moment right now. Let's think about how babies are made. I mean, not too much. <laughs> but let's think about the reproductive system and how a baby is created. You have one unfertilized egg and you have 500 million sperm. Only one of them wins uh, the race trying to get to that egg, swim as fast as he can swim to get there, and out of 500 million, you were chosen. 500 million, that's amazing. In fact, um, I'd like to have a visual illustration, um, and I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer that's in third grade, that uh, his name is Aiden Sosa. <laughs> My man, come on up here, buddy. I need your help. <laughs> I asked him during children's story. I said, hey, man, will you help me out? He said, yes. Come on up here. Let me tell you about this guy. He is one cool dude. Come on up here, bud. This is my man, Aiden Sosa. We're, we're friends because I don't have hair and he has lots of hair. <laughs> He's a third grader over there at Fleece. This guy may be the greatest soccer player I've ever met in my life. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. But not only that, he's a good dude. Every time I talk to him, he's respectful and just an awesome guy. And thanks for helping me. Third grader over there. All right, Aiden. I have approximately 500 peanut butter M&Ms in here. I say approximately because I had to open the bag from Publix to get them in here, and they all didn't make it in there. All right. So... Uh, we're talking about humans. Every one of these M&Ms represents one million options of people, okay? So 500 million options there, and every one of those represents a million options. Those are, those are babies, uh, they might have blonde hair, they might have blue eyes, they might have brown hair, they might be tall, they might be short, might be a girl, might be a boy. Yeah, anything, you got it right. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach in here. And I want you to pick out one M&M. Remember, that's a million people that you're holding there. Ooh, orange, good choice. Okay. All right, now take this marker, carefully write your initials on that M&M. Oh, A-S. <laughs> you got it. All right, that's the, that's the 100 million Aiden Sosas. Throw it back in there. There's a lot of you in there. I bet your parents are glad you're not 100 million. That's a lot. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. All right, closing this bad boy up. What color was your M&M? That's right, sure it wasn't green? Okay, here we go. You can you find yourself in there? There's 100 million of you in there. Don't look too hard, because I don't want you to find it. 
Can't find it on a quick glance? It's green. It's not in there. It is in there. Hey, this is, this is for you, buddy. D Sorry, parents. Wait till afterwards. Go ahead. Thank you for helping me. If we can't find a hundred million people in that 500 million, I guess it's one million, isn't it? One million. I can't do math. Forget it. If we can't find one million in the 500 million, how are you supposed to find you in all of this? God wanted you to be born at the time you were born because he set your time way before you even knew it. He set your time in history to be born on your birthday, to be you. If you have a sibling, it could have been them. You could have been them. Uh, if, if, if he wanted you to be a girl, he would make you to a girl, a boy, whatever. He picked you to be born at the exact time because he set your time for them way back when, which means that you were born way back then to live every day of your life until this moment right now. But it gets more tricky than that because it, the verse says that he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Times and places. Now we're getting really precise here. That means that not only did God pick the date that you would be born, he also picked the place where you would be born. And for every place that you've moved in your life, he's already planned it out. Every relationship you've ever had, every friendship you've had, every connection, every job, everything, every moment from the day you were born until now, every place that you've been until now, which means that every single one of us at this very moment has been designed to be sitting in this pew or in these chairs or standing up front at this very moment here at Forest Lake Church right now designed by God. Isn't that crazy? I mean, some of you may be asking some questions here because I feel a little micromanaged by this. I mean, can I just live my life a little bit, God, yet he's determined the times and the places for me? I mean, some of you may be asking questions like, why would God want me to be alive today? It's a good question. Or why would he purposefully pick me to be born, to live my life, to be here now today? Or why would he choose me to see the struggle and the pain that I may experience and if you ask that question, I'm glad you do, because Paul answers it in the very next verse. Let's read verse 26 and then into 27. Here's what it says. Paul says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries or the places of their lands. Here's why. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Doesn't that blow your mind? I don't know if you're understanding this. I mean, uh, God created you way back then uh, to live every place you've ever been in the timeline of your life for one reason and one reason only, and that is so that you would find God. That's crazy. So you'd reach out for him, so you'd find him. Your purpose, your existence is to simply to find God, which means that everything you've ever experienced, every joy, every pain, every celebration, every pleasure, every hurt, every disappointment, everything in your existence exists for one reason, and that's for you to know God. Several years ago, I was pastoring in the Buford Family Seventh-day Adventist Church in uh, North Georgia. Wonderful little church. 
And I got a phone call one evening from this gentleman here. His name is George Tranum. George and Jerry. George and Geraldine. You'll see, there they are. Nice couple, always positive and happy. George called me in tears. He said, Pastor Matt, can you come to the hospital? And so I called a couple of elders, uh, Scott Anderson, Sergio, and uh, Cindy Kaiser. And I said, guys, meet me at the hospital. And so we went to their room. George welcomed us in. And, and there in the bed was his daughter. She was in her early 40s. She was laying there. Uh, didn't look too good. And he said, we, we want to anoint her. Could you anoint her? And so we, we, we locked hands around her bed, and, and we were about ready to pray. And I just said, hey, Holly, that was her name. I said, Holly, would you just tell us your story? And she said, well, Pastor Matt, my whole life I've felt like a failure, like I've been worthless, like I haven't added anything to anybody's life. I've just messed up over and over and over again. And she said, until recently, and I landed this job of my dreams, and I'm, I'm making an impact, and I'm finding my calling that God's given me, and, and I'm doing something I've never done before, and I feel so valued, but my back has been hurting. And I, I came into the hospital just the other day, and they x-rayed me, and, x-ray, x-rayed me, and they looked at all the different parts, and they said that I have stage four lung cancer. It's metastasized throughout my whole body, and that I have days to live. She said, Pastor Matt, why? Why would this happen? George and Jerry, they look at me, and they say, Pastor Matt, why? Tell us why. And I shared how the devil hates God, and he'll do anything to hurt him, including hurting the ones that God loves the most. But that didn't answer their question. And I, and I know that many of you this morning have the same question. Why? Why does God allow this stuff to happen? Why, why would he allow, if he knows the times and the places, how would he allow this to happen? Why? And I don't have the answers because I can't see the bigger picture that he has. I don't know all the connections and all the different points that he can see. But I know him and I trust him. And I know that everything that you experience is for one reason and one purpose only and so that you can grow to know God better. And Paul, as he describes how a person seeks and reaches out and finds God, he describes it in a way that I can understand really well. Because he uses this Greek word, pselafao. We'll put it on the screen so you can read. Pselafao. First service was very anti, like saying it together, so I'm not even going to try it with you guys. Pselafao. Its literal definition means to feel or grope. Like you're searching, you're looking for something. And I've, I've seen following in real life. I don't know what it was like to raise kids a long time ago, but now in uh, this modern era where there's so much technology, raising a parent is kind of fun because there's so many cool gadgets. Um, you know, they have this thing, and I was talking to Pastor Jeremy this morning. They have this thing called a mamaru. Do you know what a mamaru is? Anybody know what a mamaru is? Whoa, man, Okay. Let me explain. I can sell these things. Okay, it's, it's a bouncy chair for kids, but it's got Wi-Fi. You can hook it up to your Spotify account. Uh, you can change the motion of this thing. So you just plop your kid down and make sure you, you got, you know, your Spotify hooked up and you, you walk away. You're good to go. That's amazing. Wouldn't you, like one, wouldn't you like one of those? Oh, your babies are sleeping. This is good. This is good. Don't laugh. You might wake them up. Um, here's another gadget. This is a fantastic gadget as well. Uh, just the other day I saw a stroller. It's a jogging stroller, but it's got Bluetooth, and so it connects to your phone, and so you put your baby in the stroller. Uh, it, the stroller has a motor on it, and so as you run, the stroller knows how far away from you it needs to stay. You don't even have to touch the stroller. You just jog, and the stroller stays in front of you. Some of you are rethinking about having babies again. You might be mad. I got... I'm kidding. 
Here's the greatest invention of all time for babies, though. It's the baby monitor. I'm not talking about the, the audible one. I'm talking about the video baby monitor. It's so wonderful because you see exactly what's happening in the room. Caffrey, my oldest son, when, uh, when he was just a little dude, uh, he, was, he graduated from his crib to his big boy bed. And he could not understand how every time he got out of his bed and walked over to the door, we would see him and we'd race over and he'd open the door and we'd say, hey, little guy, go back to bed, bud. Or this one, uh, when he was just a little boy in his crib, uh, he was walking around, not, not trying to go to sleep. And we just let him kind of move around as he moved around. But this is what our baby monitor looked like as he fell asleep in this position right here. See if you can see this. Hmm. It's very dark in that room. It's hard to see. Oh, there it is. Look at, he's just sitting up, just hanging out there. I think we let him sleep like that until he fell over. We're, <laughs> we're great parents. He's fine. He's nine years old. He's made it this far. He's good to go. But I've seen Psella following on that baby monitor right there. When Canaan, our youngest, was just a little guy, he's in his little jammies, the one thing that would help him go to sleep was his passy. I don't care about your judgment about thumb sucking versus whatever. It doesn't matter. He loved his passy. And if he didn't have his passy, it was hard for him to go to sleep. Uh, the problem is he's a mover a little bit. And so sometimes that passy would fall out. So we got one of those passy tethers. It's like a little, little rope thing, which sounds dangerous, that you'd clamp onto your jammies so that if it comes out, he can just grab it and put it back in. And we'd watch him on the baby monitor in the middle of the night. You'd hear him wrestle or, or, or you know, kind of wake up a little bit. And he'd, he'd reach over and he'd find that passy and he'd put it in his mouth. But if he was really moving around at night, sometimes that tether would come completely unclipped from his jammies. And that passy would be somewhere in his crib. And it's pitch black in that room. And I could watch on the baby monitor as he would kind of feel around. He couldn't see a thing. And he's just, he's just reaching and touching everything, groping around, trying to find that one thing that he knows if he can get that passy and put it in his mouth, he can have peace and he can have quietness and he can have rest because of his passy. And I know that in this room, there are so many people that have been reaching out, whether it's in the darkest moment of your life that you're in right now, or if it's been a past experience a long time ago, or it's something you're going to experience later. Every one of us has reached into the darkness, Psella following, trying to find God, looking for him, searching for him, trying to find the one thing that you know, if you can find it, it will give you peace and it will give you rest. But I do know this. The reason why you experience what you experience, whether it's painful or good, as you're searching for him, it's because you will find him at the other end. And I wonder if it's even more than this. I wonder if God didn't just set up our times and our places so that we could find him. I wonder if God set our times and our places so that we would find him and that we would have a relationship at this moment, in this time, in 2022, so that we could help somebody else find him too. Maybe that's what your calling and your purpose is, to live the gospel every day. And as you connect with others, because you found him already, you help them find him too. Listen, God wants to be found. All throughout the Bible, it talks about it. In Proverbs, here's what it says. We'll get it on the screen for you. Proverbs, it says this. I love those who love me, God says, and those who seek me diligently, they find me. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy. Another thing, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. 
Here's another one in Jeremiah. It says this, you will seek me and find me. God wants to be found. God doesn't play hide and seek, and if you're a good boy or a good girl, then you can find him. He wants you to find him, no matter what your story is. He wants to be found. He's not hiding. The Bible says he's even close to us. He's structured your life in such a way, the times and places, so that you will find him. I know today that there are a lot of people here that are really struggling. Hurts, pains, just asking the question, why me, God? And although it's hard to see the plan, I believe that you experience what you experience so that you can find God. This morning, I know there's a lot of people that just struggle with your faith in general, and you just don't know if he's real. You can't sense his presence sometimes, and this morning, my hope is that you know that he is, and that everything that you experience will direct you to him. This morning, I know there's a lot of people that are really close to God, and I wonder if today your calling is to be that piece of the puzzle for somebody else as they are trying to find him too. My prayer this morning, my hope is, is that through it all that you will find him and be comforted and find rest for your weary souls. May God continue to remain close to you as you search for him.